So during this month of August, is, UVC is focusing on parables. We're going to be looking, as we just heard, Adria, and did I say your name right, Adria, beautifully, Avia? Is that, Avia? Just beautifully read, so thank you so much for doing that this morning. And as we hear the parable feast, um, it's amazing literary device, parables are, for encountering and experiencing God's interaction in our lives. It provides an image that we can peruse and walk around and engage. What is it saying? How does it appeal to our senses? So many different layers. So I would like to read it again, and I'm going to do a bit of walking around, hoping to invite you to do that in your mind's eye. And later, as you contemplate this passage during the week, perhaps, to peruse, take a walk around it, to listen to the different angles, how it's hitting you in your interior life, inviting you to think about your relationships, inviting you to think about the institutions around you, and also how it impacts creation, this invitation to the wedding feast that we have. So reading again from Matthew 22, 1 through 14. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son, and his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My ox and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and, turned and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Find him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So much sensory engagement in the parables and in this text. And as we engage that text with our experience of it, if you're like me, there might be a little bit of fear. There's violence in this text. And as you experience that, I think it's important to remember that as we encounter scripture, 
that any kind of protest that we feel can also be a prayer as we engage scripture. And so as we look at this first layer, I want to do some perusing around the text um, as we encounter it. Um, it's, I find difficulty in some of this violence. And so I wanted to take a look at what the Greek said um, as part of the vantage point, right? Each one of our experience gives a vantage point to the scripture that is important to be able to share. And as we encounter the parables, that kind of literary device that Jesus used to be able to engage it. It, it involves the senses and it involves the emotions. And so I wanted to take a look too at the historical use of this. And so with the Greek, it was interesting to me to look at some of the perspectives given to dive into this a little bit deep, more deeply. As we think about the destruction that happened when people rejected the slaves that went out for the wedding feast, it was interesting to me to see that the word used there was doulos for slave, which is a word that is used for um, historically for indicating doing someone's bidding. But then when the response came, when the king sent out the slaves again, it switched to the word diakonos, which was a word for being in service. So to come back to that a little bit later, um, when we see this destruction that happens, the people that were on the A-list to be invited, that they rejected the slaves, um, and that happening, we see in the broader text in Matthew 21 that it's setting the stage for those that were rejecting Jesus. That the plot was beginning to thicken for his destruction, for his crucifixion. And so we see the parable that Jesus offered, I believe, is connecting with those that were going to destroy him. That they were rejecting the bridegroom. They were rejecting the invitation. And historically, those that were called as the king was inviting those to the feast, if you think about the prophets that went out and the destruction that was experienced too as they declared who God was and were inviting people to the relationship of the feast, that the destruction that happened there. So as folks were invited to the feast, then at the crossroads, um, if we go to the slide, the second slide, I don't know if the slides came through. Okay. The exodus. So this word can mean crossroads or where a street cuts through the city boundary and goes out to an open place, or when paired with water, it can point to where water springs out freely and abundantly. So these people now that are being invited to the feast, they're at a liminal place. 
They're at a place of the crossroads. They're at a space where there is a possibility of openness. I found that striking because if you look at how this text is used, I think it's an invitation to look at how we engage ourselves in this text with when we are at a place of crossroads, that can be a place where we are more willing to encounter the feast that's provided. Sometimes we get blinders on where we think we know what priority is, and sometimes we lay aside things that we are not willing to engage in celebration because we feel like we have to remain on a certain path. But for this, the exodus, this crossroads, we're all invited to that place of the crossroads. Um, if you could do the next slide, please. So it's also very puzzling to me in this text where the people at the crossroads were invited and were at the feast that someone who didn't have on the wedding garb was confronted by the king. I, as I imagine in my mind's eye, people at the crossroads, did they have to have a go bag? Were they fleeing something else? And who would carry wedding garb in their go bag? <laughs> How would people be prepared to uh, have the proper clothing at this feast? But again, looking at the larger context of what is going on here, I believe that um, it's in reference to the Sadducees. We see um, with their response to Christ that the text also um, with Bamao, another, and I hope you don't mind all the Greek here, <laughs> I found it exciting in this text to just be able to examine some of the layers of what's happening. So, famao, where um, it can mean muzzled or silenced, and is also used in Matthew 22, 34, where the Sadducees were silent before Jesus. So, this muzzling of the man... Uh, who did not have the wedding garb that was thrown into darkness, I believe is some response to the Sadducees later, who when they saw and were engaging Christ and experiencing his possibility of wonder and, and remaining silent and not being willing to engage it, it's the same word. So I think the parable is engaging that situation of of helping and inviting us into how do we, again, how do we put blinders on? What are we not willing to engage in? And another thing that was interesting to me that this whole idea of binding and when he was thrown out, there was some discussion of the binding of uh, what is regarded as bound or loose in the law itself. So you can see this interaction of how people engage the law and what they impose on others and perhaps how the feast is rejected at play 
in this parable. So these layers that happen for engaging us, and again, the invitation that I don't want to explain away the violence in this, but also want us to enter into experiencing how the parable might be working. And I invite us to see in our own lives some of the things that we might um, tie up or bind up in our own lives um, for things where we feel like we might not be invited into the feast. So uh, I'll give an example from my own life. Um, right now, I don't always take the part of me to the feast of, um, of organization sometimes. That right now, for example, um, being new and getting used to the patterns, there's receipts around the house that I'm getting ready <laughs> to submit for reimbursement. And I, with that disorganization that's there, I don't always see Christ's presence in that part of me. I wonder if each of you have parts of you that we feel like are not invited to the feast, that we have laws and rules that we bind ourselves up in, that we sometimes maybe would impose on others in hopes of what we think things should be like. But I think this text invites us to question what do we think we are outside of the feast for or what do we deny others, others access for with these laws that we set up for herself. So the receipts, that's kind of a benign example. But I also know in my own life with some experience that we've had in our family with um, medical challenges that not always seen that God is present in that. Even though there are miraculous moments, there are times of intense presence. But sometimes I feel like this should not be. And so when we are experiencing grief and challenges, I believe this text encourages us that God is present in all things, that we can go to the crossroads, we can go to the liminal spaces, we can go to these places that lead out into what we think is the wilderness and the diakonos, that the that the God who loves us brings people, brings diaconos, brings slaves in service, that we can be that for each other to invite at the liminal spaces to come to the feast, to be present. I think that is a wonder of this text. I don't think it's an invitation for violence. <laughs> But I do think it's a reality that sometimes we do violence to ourselves when we deny that all of us is invited. Um, to go back to the more benign example of the receipts and with looking at different systems, sometimes I'll put pressure on my left foot <laughs> and have developed a Morton's neuroma even in my left foot because of that tension and anxiety that I sometimes feel. And I, without realizing it, sometimes do violence to myself in that um, presence of that I must be outside of God's presence somehow. But that invitation of all of us, that it affects all of who we are, 
our whole being, that that love is present at the crossroads. That's an invitation that I hope you all feel. And that it's an invitation coming out of fullness and abundance that we are invited to the feast of the bridegroom. So much so that it's integrated into communion practice of let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Some that we, something that we are all invited into. So I want to encourage um, engagement with the parables, that um, a method of interacting with them, of looking at inner, inner experience of the parable. What within ourselves do we think is not invited? What within ourselves do we project onto others that they are not invited? It will happen. Um, all of us, as we think about who to bring to the feast, that we do have uh, certain folks that maybe come to mind first and others that we struggle with, but through the grace of God to be able to contemplate that. And that's an interior process too, that we sometimes think that we have to leave this part of us behind in order to participate in the feast. But that's not true. That redemption is for our whole being, that we are able to participate fully in the grace of God. We don't have to leave any part of ourselves at home or away. Bring every, every part of you to the feast. And in that acknowledgement, it can change how we look at others because it's so easy to project, project what we are denying within ourselves to say to others that you're not invited to that. So that grace that we realize within ourselves can transform how we um, are able to perceive who all is invited to the feast. So the layers of looking at interior self and then looking at family and relations. Certainly during COVID, many of us had struggles of who is invited to the feast. I know in my own family, just the vast opinions on how to engage one another, that that could be a challenge. How do we center ourselves in love, how do we center ourselves in the grace of God as we navigate who comes to the feast and how do we engage each other? So looking at the inner self, looking at family and friends and relationships, and then in institutions, that also spreads into how we engage institutionally with one another. I challenge us to think about what does it mean with target audience? What does it mean with branding? What does it mean with who we try to engage? I challenge us to think about how does that interact with the understanding that all are invited to the feast? And then the layer of engaging with creation and who God is, that what do we look at in creation is disposable. What do we look at in creation as not having a place? What does it mean when we are engaged with all of creation? 
It can be an overwhelming question and we can realistically deal with different um, bits and pieces at a time because it can be so overwhelming, but yet at the same time, this layer of being able to engage and to invite even creation into the participation of the reality of the feast of the bridegroom, that all are invited, that all have a place. I also encourage you in this time of August of engaging the parables. Um, there's a poem by Rainier Maria Rilke that uh, I find so beautiful and to, it, I believe bring, brings, helps to bring us to this liminal space, to this crossroads space, to be able to find a space to ground and listen. And it's entitled, Go to the Limits of Your Longing. Listen. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You sent out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. That hand extended in mystery at the crossroads, that hand that you extended to one another in the passing of the feast, and that hand that you'll receive the feast in soon with communion. May you find yourself at the crossroads of grace at that de-exodus. Know that God is sending people to you to invite that you participate, and you can be agents of invitation too. Amen. As we think about and ponder this reality of being at the crossroads and being able to be agents of invitation, being able to extend our hand, this happens with the act of offering. And uh, as some of you know, that there's opportunity in giving online and also um, be giving here by hand in person. And uh, let us have a word of prayer. Gracious God, we thank you that as you invite us to the feast, that you also give us the wonder and grace of being able to invite others. And so we pray that these expressions will be out of your mercy and grace and abundance. We thank you that we can offer whatever we have with our whole being, that you receive us and accept us. So bless these offerings today. And we ask that in your abundance, they may be multiplied to declare your glory, 
your wonder and mercy. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.